Welcome. If you're a woman who has a sense that there's more out there for you, you're in the right place. I'm Whitney Baker, host of the Electric Ideas podcast. Somewhere along the line of working kids, life carried on, but I lost track of my truth. I'm on a reflective journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. Each week, I interview a woman who is lighting her own path and offering others hope. Before our conversation ends, we'll share a reflective question for you to explore. Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. Today's guest is Dr. Naza Nalani. She's a brain researcher who holds a PhD in cognitive neuroscience. While she studied the brain for more than 15 years, her training led her on a unique path. Today, she has her own business. It's called Vibrant Minds, and she started it because she wants to use her understanding of the brain to help people more with things like growth mindset, tapping into their potential, and creating more purposeful lives. So I think learning about the brain is fascinating, and I can't wait to talk to her. So let's jump in. Hey, Naza, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, Whitney. Thank you so much for having me on. It is such a pleasure to be here with you. We are so aligned, and I truly believe the universe brought us together to have this chat today, so I can't wait to jump in together. I love it, and I I was just thinking all day about how excited it is that you have this cool, deep training spiritual side and the background as a neuroscientist, and the mix of those backgrounds is so powerful. I can't wait to jump in and tap into everything you have to share. So one of the things that I found so interesting as I was poking around with everything you offer is, is this idea that we are one of the only species alive right now on the planet that has the ability to choose the thoughts we focus on. So I know this is like, woo, let's dive right in, but that's kind of my style. So let's start there. Why just, why is that so profound? Yeah, this, this one simple truth about humans makes us who we are. I mean, this is why we are considered at the top of the food chain, because we not only think, we think about thinking. (laughs) Think about that for a second. Think about thinking about thinking. (laughs) I'm thinking about what I'm thinking now. (laughs) But it's called metacognition. Cognition means thinking. Meta means, you know, we think about how we think. And also we have the ability to introspect. So we can reflect on our thoughts and not only reflect on our thoughts, we then have the free will to change what we are focusing on. We don't necessarily have the free will to change our thoughts exactly. A lot of our thoughts are automatic, and this is because our mind is partly conscious and partly unconscious. But the conscious part of our mind, though it is not a huge proportion of how our mind works, it is still incredibly powerful. Have you ever heard the saying that we only use 10% of our brain? I've heard that and I'm very intrigued by it, but I I feel like I couldn't explain it. So I hope you will. (laughs) Yes, of course. So actually it is false. Oh, false. I know. And it's so widely believed because the media pushes this idea. Have you ever seen the movie Lucy with Scarlett Johansson? I haven't. Okay, so it's a movie. Maybe some listeners right now have heard have seen it, but it's a movie where basically she I won't give it too much away, but she ends up ingesting this drug 
and it's supposed to start opening her mind. And it goes through the phases of her brain being 10% and then 20 and then 50 and then 100 and kind of what it would be like if we were able to use 100% of our brain. And she kind of becomes superhuman in this weird way. That is complete (laughs) sci-fi. It is not based in science because we actually use 100% of our brain 100% of the time, even when we're sleeping. Our brain is always working. It's always on. It's always doing things. So where that myth comes from is 10% is a special number. We actually have about 2 to 10% of our brain that works consciously. So that means 90 to 98% of our brain is working unconsciously. And the difference is the unconscious mind are these automatic thoughts that come up and these programmed behaviors and most of the unconscious mind, we don't even know what's in there. (laughs) And that's why so many psychologists found a really hard time with the work big names like Sigmund Freud did because he wanted to understand the unconscious mind, but you, it's so hard because you can't ask someone, what are you thinking that you don't know you're thinking? (laughs) Right. 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 If, if it's unaware, they are not going to be able to articulate it. Exactly. And there are so many amazing practices out there. For example, neurolinguistic programming, NLP, that helps you retrain your conscious, unconscious mind. But where I like to focus, because where I believe we have our power, and in a lot of my programs and what I teach, is to use the conscious mind. Though it may be little, she is fierce. Two to 10% of our mind is, un- is conscious, meaning we can use that to then change the direction of our thought patterns. So as a human, we have that two to 10%. Most animals don't. Most animals are 100% unconscious. They act based on instinct. For example, have you ever decided to eat a vegetarian meal? or a vegetarian burger or something like that. Absolutely. <laughs> so if we were to meet a lion in the wild, would they have ever, ever, ever in a single moment in their life chosen a vegetarian meal? No, because it's in their <laughs> DNA. It's in their programming to be meat eaters. We have that in our programming too. We actually like meat, crave meat as humans, the majority of us, but we can consciously choose to override that instinct and choose something different. So we can do that with our thoughts and beliefs about the world, about ourselves, about what's possible for us, about our goals, about our dreams, that it applies to every aspect of who we are. Even the way we look, we can start to change the way we look just by the way we think about the way we look. (laughs) Yeah, that's fascinating. I like the tiger. That makes it so clear to me because yeah, the tiger is not sitting there contemplating a Beyond (laughs) Burger. Exactly. The tiger's not thinking, oh, I'm just going to eat some grass today because I don't want to, you know, I'm choosing not to kill this prey today. It just does it. It's just instinct that's in its biology. And we can be the same, but we can also choose to be different. And that is so amazing. Now there is, there are a handful of animals out there who scientists are starting to understand do have some consciousness and can think about their thoughts and change their the pattern of their thoughts on purpose. Can you guess which animal? Dolphins, monkeys. Yes. How did you know? <laughs> yeah, dolphins. That's right. Dolphins. In research, they've shown that when they're under the water and they 
it's really cute. The scientists give them different tasks with, you know, rings and things like that. And they have puzzles to solve. And if a dolphin is trying to solve a puzzle and it's not succeeding, you can actually see it. It physically swims back a little bit and takes a moment to reflect and reflect on what it's thinking about to then make a new plan. I mean, that's that's amazing. (laughs) That's really interesting. I'm picturing like a dolphin kind of leaned back with its its body in a (laughs) contemplative pose. (laughs) Exactly. But we would never see a goat, for example, do that. (laughs) The goat would continuously try the same behavior over and over and over and over and over and eventually give up if it didn't work. That's fascinating. Well, I love that you focus on this two to 10%, two to eight to 10% that does feel conscious, like we can choose. Because I, I think that a lot of people know and have this feeling that thoughts become things, but they don't know how to get out of negative thought patterns. So why don't you start by telling us from kind of more of the science perspective, why thoughts do become things, and then how we can work to be more conscious of, of what we're thinking so that we can invite in better things. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you brought up the attempt that many of us often pursue to move away from negative and focus on positive. That is one of the huge, huge teachings of the multi, multi million dollar franchise called The Secret. I'm sure. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. Yeah. So a lot of people have heard of The Secret and The Secret does have some really helpful pointers. But one thing that I fundamentally disagree with from The Secret and from a lot of the work that other manifestation teachers and law of attraction teachers teach is that we have to push away the negative and focus on the positive. And if we focus too much on the negative, we'll attract the negative into our lives. I don't believe that at all. I I have not seen that in practice. I have not seen that in my own life. I've not seen that with my clients. And what I find, and actually how the brain works, is the more we try to stop doing something, the more we think about it. (laughs) So right now, if I were to say, Whitney, don't think about an elephant. Right now, (laughs) did an elephant pop into your brain? (laughs) I have to laugh because this is literally something my husband was playing with my two little girls at dinner last night. He was like, don't think about a pink elephant. And he was like, don't think about your left ear. And they were just laughing. I I don't think he had any explanation. He was just being silly. (laughs) How how aligned are we? That's amazing that your family was just doing that. So that's exactly it. When we tell our brain, don't think about something, the brain, especially the unconscious mind does not understand don't or no, or go away from this. Instead, it just focuses on what what the thought was. So it thinks about the pink elephant, for example. So what I believe and what I teach is that it's not about pushing away the negative. It's about integrating the negative and including or boosting the positive. So we, the way I like to explain the conscious mind is it's like a spotlight. It's like a spotlight of attention or focus. So let's say just for simplicity, we have way more thoughts than this in a day, but let's say we have 100 thoughts in a day and the majority of them are unconscious. So we get to choose with our free will where that spotlight lands on which of those thoughts it lands and we shift and move that spotlight. That's our conscious mind. That's our power. So we can choose to shift which thoughts 
we really give life and really give energy to. So it's not about pushing away the negative or stop being negative. It's about choosing the thoughts that we want to really integrate into our daily lives. I would just want to mirror that back to you, that distinguishment, because that's helpful, especially because of your background and as a brain researcher to give that distinguishment that it's it's like this bad feeling that if we're thinking bad thoughts, that that's going to show up right away or we can't have those. I, I just wanted to repeat that, that learning, you know, because I think that that's a really important distinguishment, but I'm wondering if just, so I like, I like how you explain this. I like how we can not push away the negative. Maybe, maybe we nurture it a little bit or get curious about it. Maybe we want to invite in a little bit more of this positive, but could you give us an example of maybe some woman that has come into your practice and what some of the common maybe more self-sabotaging beliefs, like one example of a self-sabotaging belief that maybe they have, and maybe they're using a lot of their two to 10% (laughs) conscious brain time on and how they can go from not focusing on that as much and kind of how they literally can choose a more positive thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So I have a great example. There was a client I was working with and she had this common thought or belief, and it was a little bit hidden. So we worked to get it, get it out there from the unconscious mind and bring attention to it. And it's something that I think a lot of women can relate to. And it's that I am not enough. I am not doing enough. I'm not getting enough done. I'm failing in every way. (laughs) I want to be succeeding as a business owner, as a mother, as a wife, as as a friend, as a daughter, all of these things. And I think it's very relatable. We all have that feeling of I'm not doing enough or I I don't feel like I'm enough. And once we uncovered that thought, we were able to, like I mentioned, integrate it into her thought patterns, not push it away. There's a saying that I love that says, everything you resist persists. So the more you push away thought like that. So let's say, for example, that thought comes up, I'm not enough. Something happens and I don't know, you burn dinner while you're cooking for your family or something, something small like that, right? And it triggers that thought cycle. I'm not enough. I can't do anything right. I can't get on top of things. And, and, And it spirals. That's the thing. The brain tends to follow the train of thought. So like attracts like. So the more negative thoughts we have, the more it'll attract (laughs) and the more will come up. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing. (laughs) But what we can do is consciously recognize that's happening and gently shift the spotlight of focus with our conscious mind. So the brain's just going through this spiral. And one thing the brain loves is evidence. So we can just simply start to provide it evidence, consciously choose to provide it evidence that that thought spiral, that negative thought spiral is not true. So we're not pushing it away. We're not trying to tell ourselves, no, we are enough. I believe in myself and things like that. And this is where affirmations can become dangerous sometimes. Do you use affirmations, Whitney? I do. Yeah. So I, I personally love affirmations too, but the headspace we're in when we use them is really important. So an affirmation is best to use when we're kind of more in a neutral space, because what it does is it allows us, you know, those 
in case anyone listening isn't aware, an affirmation is a positive statement, usually about ourselves, and it helps to empower us. I am beautiful. I am strong. I am enough. I am fierce. (laughs) I am kind. I am successful. I am abundant. Any of these I am statements or affirmations. Now, when we have, when we start from a neutral space, let's say, you know, it's lunchtime and we're just going about making a sandwich or something, and we're not really thinking about much, that's a good time to use your affirmations. (laughs) Because what it does is it gently shifts your spotlight of attention, your focus to those positive thoughts, helps to integrate them into your unconscious mind, the more you repeat them. So it becomes more automatic. And these thoughts will become more likely what your brain will think about in times of stress. But when we're already in a time of stress, An affirmation is the opposite of what you want to do, because what you're doing is you are basically cutting the cord between the part of yourself that does not feel like it's enough. You're not hearing that part. You're not listening to that part. You're basically telling it it's lying, right? So if you're having these thoughts like, I burnt dinner, I'm not enough. And you, you start to repeat your affirmations. No, I am enough. I'm good enough. I can do this. It seems like it should be empowering, but it does the opposite. It creates a division within our psyche, within our hearts, within our souls. So what we want to do instead is to acknowledge that we feel that way. Yeah, right now, I don't feel like I'm enough. But you know what? There are a lot of times in my life where I have done things that have proven that I am enough. And this is where that evidence is really important. So then we can start to think about times that we felt like enough, times that we felt really proud of ourselves. And we can then not only change that thought, but we integrate that thought because we're accepting and and acknowledging that, yes, right now I don't feel like enough. And there are times when I do feel like enough and both are true and both are good. And that's the really important part. It's not about pushing away the negative thought. It's about accepting that sometimes we don't feel like enough and that's normal and that's healthy. But in order to focus and shift our attention and our conscious mind from going down this negative thought train spiral, (laughs) what we can do, like I mentioned, is provide evidence. So think of examples of when through your life or recently you have felt like enough, very specific, detailed, tangible examples. So yesterday I recorded an amazing podcast with a great new person that I met, or a few months ago, I got a raise at my job, or I recently got hired at a new place, or for me in a couple of months, it'll be, I gave birth. (laughs) I'm, I'm seven months pregnant right now. So I'm really looking forward to putting that in my evidence box of times that I am a badass woman and I am enough. <laughs> it's a very, very exciting time. Well, I'm loving this because I think we've all been there and I think it's really helpful how you explained that this, I'm, I can visualize this, this negative thought train. Cause once you kind of dip into that, yes, it's easy to go to just be on that bullet train into being in a funk and I'm, I'm really, as you're talking, I'm thinking of like, even inviting in that moment of awareness, like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes on the train. Is, is this true? Am I always never enough? Like, yeah, I might feel like that right now, but I really like the practice you shared of picking 
specific recent examples to anchor the brain to about when you were enough, because I feel like even that pause to slow down the train might be enough to not go down the spiral. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. That's, that's exactly the way it works. That's so intuitive that you picked up on that. So one thing that I really recommend and that I teach in my intentional dreamers program is to create an evidence journal, especially because in those moments when, you know, everything feels frantic and chaotic and we just burned dinner and we're stressed out or, or anything like that. And we start going down that negative thought train spiral. It's, it's hard. It's hard to think of positive examples or, or, or evidence of the opposite for our brain to integrate. So in those cases, it's really helpful to have some pre-written things down. And in some ways, this is when affirmations can be useful. But again, we want to avoid these general I am statements. I am smart. I am beautiful, which is great. Again, when you're in a neutral headspace to start with, but to think of things that really prove that to you, to yourself. It doesn't have to prove it to anybody else, just to you. So what really makes you feel powerful? Write down these examples at a time when you're less stressed. And that way, when you come across these stressful moments and your mind starts going down these negative paths, you can open this evidence journal and read through some of these examples. And it will automatically shift not only the way you're thinking, but the way you're you're feeling and also the way your body is physiologically responding to stress in that moment. I'm loving this practice. Okay. Definitely noted received. I know my listeners are going to be excited to try that. So thank you for sharing that. I want to circle back a little bit more to affirmations in general, because, okay, thanks to your clear explanation, we now know that we're not supposed to try to be in kind of a stress-induced state and shoving these affirmations <laughs> like a Band-Aid or something. So mm-hmm. when we're in a neutral or maybe positive state, you can you can tell me if that's wrong. <laughs> uh, we can invite in affirmations, but I think a lot of people, you know, see affirmations or gravitate towards things, but they it can feel just kind of random and sporadic, like. So let's, let's literally get down to like, for the average woman who likes the idea of affirmations, but isn't, hasn't incorporated them into her practice. How does she choose which affirmation? Does it matter if it's the same one all the time? How does she know if it's doing anything for her or serving her? I've got, I've got a lot of questions. So jump in there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me ask you, Whitney, what are some of your favorite affirmations? I, I do. I am worthy a lot. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And that is the opposite of, I am not enough, right? I am not enough makes us feel unworthy. And when we say I am worthy, it counteracts that it's the opposite. So for example, I am worthy or I am beautiful. I am strong. Any of these affirmations can be really powerful because like I mentioned, it's the repetition of them. That's the key. So the brain, as much as it loves evidence, it also loves repetition. That is why TikTok has blown up. (laughs) TikTok is, has capitalized on how much the brain of humans loves repetition. That's why we see the same sound clip created in a thousand different ways by a thousand different TikTokers. 
And we keep hearing that same sound clip and every clip of people doing things is almost exactly the same, but slightly different. And that is so satisfying to our brains to the point where it's addictive. Mm. <laughs> I actually had to delete TikTok off my phone because I, I would go on and think, oh, I'm just going to go in here for five minutes and check what's up. Three hours later, I'd you know, kind of come out of my TikTok hole and be like, oh my goodness, it's dark now outside and I haven't moved for three hours. So that repetition aspect is something we can utilize to our benefit. And that's the key with affirmations. It's not about just having a few statements and reading them once and forgetting about them. It's about repeating them again, when we're in a neutral or positive state of mind, not when we're in a negative state of mind. And that repetition will eventually combine them, integrate them into our automatic thought patterns. And then they become thoughts that we will gravitate more towards even in times of stress. So it's a, it's really a long-term practice. And I think that's something that's often forgotten about when it comes to affirmations, right? We see a few affirmations and we think, oh yeah, this feels nice to read right now or to listen to in an affirmation meditation, but really it's that repetition that's important. So a little bit of self-promo here, but if anyone wants to go over to my YouTube channel, Dr. Nazan Alani on YouTube, I have a few guided meditations with affirmations in them. And you'll hear me say right at the beginning of the video, listen to this video every single day for seven days or every single day for 21 days, because it's that repetition that is really important. I admit to tuning into one with gorgeous ocean waves this week. <laughs> Thanks, Whitney. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. Okay. So we're going to either listen to them or write them or, you know, should we just stick with one thing at a time? Tell me about that. So the, I spent many years as a professor of psychology teaching. And what I found was that, and research has shown this too, is that humans have different modes of learning. And these different modes of learning could be visual, could be auditory, could be tactile. So sense of touch or needing to actually physically do something. And it's different for everybody. So for me, I'm visual when it comes to pictures, but not with words. I absorb words better when I hear them. I used to think I was a terrible reader until Audible was invented. <laughs> and now I've read hundreds of books, read quote unquote, listened to hundred hundreds of books, and my brain just loves it, soaks it up and absorbs it. So for me, listening to something is a lot better. And I've just learned that about myself over time. So for me, an affirmation meditation that I listen to is really helpful. And I've been actually using different apps with hypnobirthing and positive birth affirmations recently. And oh, I've been loving it. But for other people, they're more visual. So for these people, something like putting sticky notes around your, your house with your affirmations on them or writing them down in a journal is helpful. If you're more of a tactile person and you need to feel something, get a pen, get a paper, write out your affirmation over and over and over and over again with your hand, let it flow. I am worthy. I am worthy. I am worthy. And that hand to brain muscle memory will help integrate the affirmation for you. So it's really individual. It's about learning what modality is best for you and just going with that. So do you personally have one that you feel more connected to? Hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm a writer, so I feel like that tactile piece definitely helps me. And I like kind of 
I, I like pencil or pen and paper, but I also am a listener. I maybe I'm a hybrid over here, but it's just helpful to have that awareness that you're not doing it wrong. There's no one way to be doing it and that you just have to kind of like many things, practice a little bit and try it. <laughs> exactly. Practice a little bit and find what's right for you. What fits for someone else with an affirmation practice or any, any of these types of practices when it may not necessarily fit for you. And that's okay. That's the beauty of humanity. We're also individual and unique. So, and yes, I love that you brought up that you could be a hybrid. You definitely can be a hybrid. And if that's the case, great. Listen and write at the same time. (laughs) You get double the power. Amazing. Thank you for that. All that knowledge. All my listeners can practice these things right away. And I'm excited to invite more of this into my own day. So this was an illuminating conversation. And I know we're coming up against time, but I am sure you'll honor this because I, you're obviously very introspective. So my last question, I always ask my guests is because I think it's so powerful for women to be more in tune with themselves or even have a better conversation with another friend. So I always ask my guests, what's one question women should be asking themselves more? Oh, that's, yeah, that's an amazing question. And I've heard some of your other episodes where you've asked that, and I love how different the answer is every time. So I think one question women should ask themselves is what lights me up? And it sounds like it should be an easy answer, but it's actually not. If you really (laughs) dig deep and take some time to answer that question, you can dramatically shift not only how you feel, but also the path your life is taking. Because we so often just get into this kind of cycle of what our day-to-day is, you know, get up, feed the kids, take them to school, work all day, come home, make dinner, clean up, you know, and it's all of these, I don't want to say mundane tasks, because I truly believe we we should be mindful and grateful in every single task we do. But it's these tasks that don't necessarily fuel us, unless you're the type of person that being a mother and a home caretaker lights you up. And there are people like that, and that's wonderful. But for each individual, we need to ask ourselves, what lights us up? Meaning when we're doing something, is there something that gets you into what research calls the state of flow? The state of flow, and I'm curious if you've ever experienced this, Whitney, is when you're doing a task, you're doing something, you get so immersed in it. You lose track of time. You, you know, it almost feels out of body. You, you are just right in it. It, it, Like things come to you naturally as you're working on the task. So you said you're a writer. So maybe writing is that for you at your, I can see you. (laughs) So have you ever been in that state of flow? Absolutely. I, I love the topic of flow and I feel like definitely when I don't have a constricted amount of time on something and I feel like I've just can kind of invite in that state and I'm just lost and it almost feels like words are pouring through me and I'm just in that state of flow. And I've also experienced that. I I kind of associated the first thing I just, I'm very intuitive. So the first thing that actually came to my mind though, was more like playing outside with my kids when, when we don't have anywhere to be and you're just in nature in some capacity and you just are 
like can't help but be present because it's just so fun, right? I love that. And that's the perfect word for it. You are fully immersed and fully present in that moment. That is a state of flow. And it's different for everybody. What brings us to that place? For some people, it's when they're playing a particular sport. And these people tend to go on and become athletes. For some people, it's when they're writing. For some people, it's when they're playing with their children. For me personally, it's when I'm teaching and when I'm sharing knowledge and information. I can't even explain it, but it just, you just have this overwhelming feeling that, yes, this is what I am on the earth to do. (laughs) And I know that might seem a little bit profound, but we all have that. We all have things that is so natural for us. And when it comes to the state of flow, this is a really important distinction I want to make. And and with this term I, I mentioned earlier of asking ourselves what lights me up. It's not about happiness necessarily. That's very different. This is more about what makes every fiber of my being feel fulfilled, feel like it has a purpose. And purpose is not always easy. (laughs) Purpose is hard a lot of the times, but it is so important. And there's been research that has shown that people whose purpose is their families, it's, it's these men and women who really have that sense of purpose in growing and nurturing their family, they found that they actually get colds through the year half as often as other people who don't have kids because of that deep sense of purpose that they have. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It changes your immune system. It changes you physiologically when we're pursuing our purpose. And Again, pursuing your purpose is going to have its ups and downs, and it's not going to be easy sometimes. But the point is, even when it's not easy, it still feels fulfilling. Yeah. So that's my question. What lights me up? And I want everyone to hear this. This is really important. There is no right or wrong time to figure this out. And it can change and grow and adapt with you as you change and grow and adapt. I know some 15 year olds. Students who I've taught who right away know their purpose. <laughs> they just, it just came to them. And I know people who didn't find their, their purpose or what lights them up until they were 55. And all of a sudden they stumbled into something and they're like, yeah, this is meant for me. I'm supposed to be doing this. I am glad that we're closing on these messages because I, this all resonates with me. I think that People, especially the older you get, I think people are just like, I don't know. I don't have a thing. I'm not going to find my thing. And I, I would just add to that, that it can shift and evolve, but you have to keep trying things and putting yourself out there and, and giving yourself permission to explore at every age. And I, I agree. I think it's, ne- it's never too late. It's never too late to, to figure it out. So thank you for inspiring my listeners <laughs> with that as well. I know that everyone's going to want to support you, learn more about you, soak in more Dr. Naza wisdom. So tell us about where we can find you and follow you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I, you can find me on YouTube, join me there, please subscribe. And I have lots of videos about mindset manifestation, the brain and how we can utilize the tools that we have already within us to create the life that we really want for ourselves, reach our goals. I've just posted my pregnancy announcement video on there. So that's really exciting. So if you want to see the journey of of finding that out and actually how 
I have small clips in there too about how I manifested my pregnancy because I really do use these techniques in my own life all the time. <laughs> I have that in there too. And I'm also on Instagram. I'm listening to my body and slowing down as much as possible. So I'm not as active on Instagram, but I hope to be in the near future. So please do follow me there. And then also for a deeper support, I have a program called Intentional Dreamers that is a self-study course where we go through step-by-step exactly from point A, creating a roadmap to your dream life and the goals that you have, how to identify those goals, and then how to take the steps to achieve them. And then some bonus things like how to beat procrastination and things like that. Well, it was a delight to talk to you. And I know my listeners are going to have lots of takeaways. I'm going to have to have you back to talk about procrastination. Oh, yes, <laughs> I would be, love to. That'll be another conversation. That Amazing. Sure. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you. You too, Whitney. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at at Whitney Woman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.